everybody, and welcome back to the Bread and Butter Podcast, the EDH Podcast, where we talk about the bread and butter of all things Commander. I am Spencer Williams, joined as always by my two awesome co-hosts, Tyler and Chandler. (laughs) Hello. Uh, This week, we are going to be talking about the Innistrad Midnight Hunt uh, spoilers. We are going to... Uh, compile kind of a top 10, in no particular order, a a list of our 10 favorite cards uh, each of us have in the set. And yeah, we're just going to kind of discuss the implications it has for Commander, kind of go over what we think is cool about these cards, what they can add to the format, what they can uh, add to our own personal decks, and kind of just our our takes on why they're cool and why we like them. but first, we have an announcement that uh, came out uh, Tuesday night, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it was the last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, that Golos, Tyler's Pilgrim, was banned from Commander, and Worldfire was unbanned. So what do you guys first think about the Golos ban? How do you think it's going to affect the game? What... Uh, what do you feel is kind of like the the perspective behind it and what it's going to do to your metas or or what you think of the game? Well, I realized that uh, on EDH Unchained that there was a pretty huge spike of Golos. Uh, to me, <clears throat> I understand the ban, but I also understand that if you're going to ban something that's problematic, you need to do it within like a certain time frame, giving it two years to flush out, and it became the most popular on EDH rec. It was most popular several weeks, or several months in a row as like the f- most built, and then I think in the past two years it was the number one most built deck. Yeah, and I mean I understand where they're coming from, and I and I, and I understand the committee's concern of it being just the like if you're going to play five colors, why not just play Golos? But there are so many different little archetypes that you could do with Golos. And as a casual format, like if you're trying to sweat out with Golos, that's really up to you. But like there's so many different decks, like the Mazen deck, and there's so many little interactions that people liked using Golos for that I think are not that problematic. And I mean, as a casual format, if you have a Golos deck, you could still ask. Uh, I think on EDH Unchained, it's not banned. Or I think they made, I don't know, I saw something in the thread about them not banning it. Um, I think they had kind of a running joke for a while that it was just like banned because it was becoming like, you know, you'd have a Golos deck in every game or sometimes two Golos decks in every game. But uh, I haven't. I haven't been on the server in uh, like a week or so, so I haven't gotcha. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I was. I was just kind of looking over, and I was just like, I mean, honestly, it's up to the play group. It's up to the people that you're playing with. If you say like, "Hey, I have a Golos deck. I mean, I, I invest a lot of time, and I really like it. Is it okay if I play it?" If they say no, I mean, you just kind of just have to suck it up and move on. If I played against the Golos and someone asked it, I'd be like, "Does it win turn three? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, honestly. For me, I've never played against it, so it doesn't affect me a whole lot. I mean, I understand it's good. I can see where like it can get out of hand, but 
don't know. I just I don't play as much as you guys do. I don't play on the servers and stuff, so it hasn't really affected me. So it wasn't like a big like, oh man, what's happening? What can I do? Like it, it didn't. Hit, it's not like affected me that much. So yeah, I think I align with kind of the primary background to why they banned it, which is when Golos becomes the best angel commander or the best dragon commander or the best merfolk commander, then that's a problem because mm. you don't, it, Golos doesn't require anything of you more than five mana. That's it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't require you to jump through any hoops. He jumps through the hoops for you and mm. the hoops aren't very big because all you have to do is just spend five mana play your commander and he will just continue pushing you through the game and i think when there's an objective best pick for things that should already have a representation like angels or you know dragons have several commanders and things like mm-hmm. that um and then go you you have just this random five color commander that's like hey I'm your best pick. That becomes, I think, kind of a large part of the problem. But again, like a part of a part of the fun of Commander is finding those weird hoops. I'm now at this point where I'm trying to find these stupid things that shouldn't happen, (laughs) and I'm like, let me see how powerful I can make it. Yeah. If if some guy just wants to build a Golos deck that's angels, I mean, it's really up to him. Yeah. No, I agree, and there's definitely merit to like finding this cool path that isn't already tread. Um, but let me clarify that like I don't I don't think the ban is a bad idea. <clears throat> I just think two years in, now there's eight thousand decks that have yeah. been built of it on just and that's not even like just people that just build decks without even mm. putting on the internet. Right. That's so much money that not every Golos deck can just be randomly remade into something else. Right, like your Ramos isn't just the best replacement oh. now for or Kenrith yeah. or uh, Joda. Like there's there's things or that Garth. You, yeah. yeah, there's things that you put into a Golos deck that is different, and now you're taking some like these amount of decks, and people are like, oh, I am now an exile. Yeah, and I think everybody's gonna feel that loss perspective for sure. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting, and, and it has implications for the future. But um, yeah, and I mean, I think there there was like a th- thread or a, a post of them talking about like other commanders, like Corvold and Julane, and like to me, Julane and Corvold are way more toxic <laughs> than Golos by far. But yeah, they can lend to some because pretty... all those decks are just stupid. Yeah, there's not a really ha- easy way to like like a Julane deck doesn't really have a hard like a bad way to build it. With Golos you can do jank still. Yeah, it's sort of the Yerik problem where it's like kill on sight. Don't let them untap. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that kind of thing. Oh yeah, Yarik. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. I built that deck. We're we're coming back around. <laughs> um but yeah, we we definitely don't hope obviously to see more bands of these kind of commanders that you know, just represent the best pick, right? Cuz eventually mm-hmm. there there needs to be I guess kind of like a Standard, like the top of the ladder, I guess, to an extent. Yeah, um, I think it's more. Uh, I would look at it more of like uh, Tyler's point of view, where he's saying there's been so many decks already made after two years. I would, I would be hesitant on some of the bands just to, for more of like a morale standpoint, yeah. versus just like a 
like a more basic deck building standpoint. Mine's like, man, kind of like like we used to play League of Legends a lot, mm. but I stopped playing because it got out of control with all these dynamics of power and all this other stuff. I think Magic's gonna have the same problem. We just gotta be careful with some of those bands to make sure play them around. People don't just quit, right? Because their commander got. <laughs> Right, man, and they feel like they can't play it anymore or whatever. Yeah, and and RC I think definitely considers that because mm-hmm. um, in a couple of the podcasts um, I listened to, they talked about how they had been uh, discussing Golos on the on their watch list, quote mm-hmm. quote. Uh, you know, we use that term loosely, but um, they had been talking about it for like upwards of six months, half a year, mm-hmm. and then I guess the statistics were just showing too much, too often that. That was becoming repetitive and stuff yeah. like that. So, but I yeah, think, I, mean, I think they've done a good job of it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, yeah. So, I think, I think I think in just this case, when you're dealing with commanders, it's a little more touchy because now mm-hmm. they're, like I've said, eight thousand, probably more decks that have been built around this commander, mm-hmm. and now they just don't have a home. Yeah, now they're just gonna. And a lot of those decks probably really need it. And then now, like Maze End, I mean, there's not that many commanders that you can fit in that. And some people really True. like that yeah. deck. But I get it. I understand it. Uh, <clears throat> so moving on uh, is. Uh, on the flip side, <laughs> Worldfire got unbanned. Um, if you don't already know Worldfire, it is. I don't know it. Six and three red for a sorcery that says exile all permanents. All players' hands and graveyards. Each player's life total becomes one. Now, let me ask you, which uh, card's getting removed from Marchesa? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. when I heard, I, I thought it was a little That's bit of a spicy. joke because back in the day, back in my day, when we started <laughs> playing Commander, this was like premier because it had just mm. come out in one of the sets I... Um, or it's a corset card, I believe, right? Corset 2013. I can't me. remember. I don't know. But um, this card had just came out, so it was all. The, it was one of the toys we were all messing with. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, we didn't know what we were doing back then because it was just kind of like, "Aha! I played my Worldfire." But one person back when uh, the old Joyra, the Suspend Joyra, was kind of like one of the cooler decks you could play. Um, you could suspend world fire and then suspend something behind it that would deal damage to each of your opponents. And so world fire <laughs> would go off and then you could cast from suspend the other, you know, red card. Uh, random that's mm-hmm. that's red delightful. Card. It was funny. I like that. It was very funny. So bring back a little bit of nostalgia now that it's back in the game. But uh, I do want to say, um, I think it's one of those cards that when... You see it, you go, oh man, I got to play this. And then you play it, see the reactions from people and go, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I need to figure out how to actually use this card instead of just like, Mm. (laughs) like I played World Fire. Like Chaos, it is okay in some respects. But if you're just playing it to like, let's see who can deal one point of damage first, like that's a wrong, irresponsible way to play it. Um, all that to say, I'm looking forward to the possibility of seeing it in a game where it 
is the win con, like where you can plan to mm-hmm. deal a point of damage to each of your opponents. Like, like you mentioned in Queen Marchesa, if I have a Chandra emblem on each of my opponents, I'm okay with world firing because it's like it's gonna kill them. It's it's a win con. The game's gonna end right after it resolves. Because, so which card is getting removed? You know. Yeah. So it's it's hard. I'm I'm looking through my 99 right now, trying to <laughs> shove my copy of World Fire in there. Just I already got one in the binder. Just get obliterate. Yeah. Just take take obliterate out. I don't know. They're too similar. They're too. Yeah. You're gonna have two of them in your deck. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> More obliterates. More games won. Uh, All right. Yeah, anyway, moving on. Golos is the problem, dude. <laughs> so let's get into our topic. Um, let's do it. Innistrad, Midnight Hunt. Um, what are your What are you guys' initial uh, perspectives? Initial um, likes, dislikes. What do you think? I, don't know, I haven't taken like a. I haven't looked at all the cards, but I've looked at a good bit of them, like three quarters of them. Um, nothing's like crazy standing out to me, except for like one or two cards. But I do. I don't really like the werewolf and the night and day. That whole mechanic is just not. It's just not interesting to me. I'm sure it's going to hit some people, hit their fancies. But like, I, it's just not that interesting to me. Yeah, I, I can understand that, and it's a bit of a like dark horror set. The yeah. whole theme. So. It just it seems like a pointless side quest to me. You know yeah, what I mean? like yeah, uh, it's just a. Something to keep, extra to keep up with that doesn't make a whole lot of difference to me. But I know there's going to be advantages and people are going to build really cool decks out of it. Yeah. It's just not like exciting to me. But I like I like the set. I think I think there's a lot of cool uh I like I actually in the opposite, I think mm-hmm. the day and night cycle is really cool, especially for werewolves. Mm. So, something that desperately needed uh some attention. I mean, I'm not gonna build a werewolf deck. It's just a stompy deck yeah. that has a little bit of a unique mechanic. I'd much rather build a Merfolk deck yeah. or something a little more finessey. But I <clears throat> I enjoy a lot of it. I think uh, Decade is an interesting uh, mechanic, and I think it's going to fit well in my Varina deck whenever I go back to it. Yeah. Uh, There's definitely a couple cards I was eyeing for Sidisi. Uh, with the, yeah. using the decayed zombies and stuff, yeah, I think that's cool. But yeah, it's a it's a really good set. I think it's for the most part. I think we'll get into some of the toxic cards that have come out. Uh, I think it's relatively balanced. Yeah, it's it's a big nostalgia hit for me. Um, the old the first Innistrad was uh, one of the first block sets I actually started playing in. So I have like. All that draft, limited um, nostalgia. Nostalgia for sure. Um, I remember opening like so, uh, Foil Soren, Lord of Innistrad, and uh, just that crazy feeling of like really cool set. I'm I'm super into the whole setting of it. I dig that like dark gothic horror and stuff. Me too. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm a little bit with you, Chan. Like werewolves, werewolves at some extent are like. Uh, I don't really relate with that flavor of fantasy. Yeah. It's cool. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. They're you know they're always unique. Um, it's classic. Um, but it is cool to see that, um, or it's good to see that they're bringing it back around in a cool way with cool mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah. 
So we're going to do this slightly different. It's not going to be like a... We're not going to go through every single card. We're not going to... This isn't a total set review. Yeah, we're just going to give top... Not even top 10. Just 10 cards that we think uh, provide either like uh, archetype, some foundation, and then a lot of flavor. And I think there's a lot of good cards. But for me, like... Most of the commanders don't really inspire me that much. I have three on here that I, <clears throat> if I was to build a deck, it would be one of the three. But uh, actually, there's four, but one is not going to be on my list. It's just on there because it provides foundation to something that desperately needed it. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if it, we, we all kind of picked 10 individual cards that we thought were cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, without discussing them prior. And and so if there are any cards that overlap on our lists, we're just going to bounce off right on that point from whoever brings it up in the in our little cycle. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, so uh, hopefully you take a little bit from our perspectives and yeah. see what we have to say. So Chandler, you want to start us off with your first... First couple here? Yeah. Yeah, so my first, couple, my first two, I'll, I'll preface with... I don't think they're great cards. Okay. Like, but I just think they're a little bit of flavor. Okay. Like, I would play them not because they're like game changers. They're just interesting to me. Sure. First one is uh, Cather's Call. It's an enchant creature uh, aura. Um, says, Enchanted creature has vigilance, and at the beginning of your end step, create a 1 1 white human creature token. Um, purely thought this one because I think it'd be cool in uh, my Estrid deck. Enchant deck, just being yeah. nice to have a little bit of extra jump blockers at the end of the turn, uh, kind of guaranteed for the next thing. Because for my extra deck, the thing that it lacks is um, defense because it's kind of just Voltron stacking on one creature. So could give me some value in that. But I understand that like most people would never probably play this card. That's okay. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, it has obviously good use. Um, the fact that it right away gives you a one-one is nice mm-hmm. on your end step. Yeah, like instead of term. having to wait for your upkeep. Right, that's nice. Yeah, end step is a nice change. I think they've picked up on that in that if they just have a trigger on your end step, it is instantly more appealing to commander players mm-hmm. because there's nothing worse than playing like Damia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Damia, which is like, oh, I need my seven mana commander to last until my upkeep. And most people just go, <laughs> right? Removal spell uh, on his instep before you untap. <clears throat> Source to plowshares. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so I dig basic, it. Uh, let's see. The second one I have is malevolent. Uh, malevolent. Yeah, Malevolent Hermit. He says, uh, pay blue and sacrifice Malevolent Hermit. Counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays three colorless. Um, And then it has Disturb, two colors, and a a blue. Uh, And then it's uh, Disturb cost brings back Benevolent Geist, which is a flying 2-2. says non-creature spells... You control can't be countered if uh, he would die, but ex- exile him instead of putting him in the graveyard. Um, this one just reminded me of a card. I can't even think of the name of it right now, but 
I was playing it in my extra desk uh, deck and decided not to because it wasn't good enough. It was basically counter a non-creature spell, like pay one, counter a non-creature spell, unless the controller pays one. Is that Sunken Field? Yeah, I think that's Sunken Field, yeah. And it's like, it's good. It's it's a fun little interaction, but it's like most of the time people are going to have an extra one to pay, so it's not really going to counter much. It's not right. doing much. So it reminded me of that, like a cool little interaction. But for me, it was, it was kind of like, for this, I would just want to kill him, like sacrifice him in any way. Like I wouldn't even have to be a good use of a counter spell and then bring him back so that if it was like an instant deck, it wouldn't stuff wouldn't get countered. Yeah, I think there's a kind of a long play, but no, I, I, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like a you're getting this latent investment mm-hmm. uh, returns later, which is yeah. cool. But I think an interesting. Uh, Interaction here with disturb cards is that they are still they're still available as long as they don't die. So mm-hmm. you can, for instance, like say somebody's going to a board wipe, you can blink your disturbed card and mm-hmm. then have it come back as its as its first side, and so it'll be a new creature that won't get exiled, and then it can go back to your yard again. And then mm-hmm. you can disturb it again. Like that's a cool interaction you can do with disturbed cards, yeah. and especially with benevolent geist, you can guarantee you're going to flicker it with mm-hmm. non-creature spells because your non-creature spells can't be countered. That's cool. Like, yeah, that's not to be looked over for sure. Yeah, kind of a tricky counter. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah. All right. So my first two, uh, I'll start with the one legendary creature that I wouldn't build. Uh, which is Tovalar, the Midnight Scourge, or sorry, Tovalar Dire Overlord, which is one red and a green. Whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more wolves and or werewolves, it becomes night, then transform any number of human werewolves you control, and then it has daybound. <clears throat> and then its flip side... Tovalar, the Midnight Scourge. Whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, and then you can pay X, red and a green. Target wolf or werewolf you control gets plus X plus zero and gains trample until end of turn and has nightbound. I just think this is a creature type that really needed a solid commander, and they finally have designed one that is effective. Yeah, absolutely. But to me it's not it's not interesting. I just think it needed to be mentioned because werewolves were desperate for a commander and they finally have one that is solid. I I agree. For 3 mana, that is really good if you're just trying to turn some werewolves and wolves sideways to draw cards. Mm-hmm. That's crazy good rate for a 3-mana 3-3. Yeah, I mean, you think of every other spell that has that same text where something deals damage, draw a card, most of them cost 4 minimum. Mm-hmm. You got your Bind Nathasa, Coastal Piracy. Uh, Toski Bear of Secrets. Yeah, um, which... Uh, he or might Frostfang. Is Toski 2 and a green? Mm-hmm. A 3 and a green. 3 and a green. So yeah, he's 4, and then you have, I mean... Orin Frostfang. Yeah, all the Coastal Piracy effects, yeah. right? Yeah. So, right, having that three mana on the 
tribal guarantee is really cool. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to seeing werewolf decks because they're going to go way too fast. Yeah, it's going to just be dump your hand yeah. on the board and then draw cards for doing it. Like, Gruel is going to be it's going to be a gnarly deck to fight. It's going to be grueling, hundred <laughs> percent. All right, next one. Um, yeah, and then my second one is uh, Rite of Harmony, which is a green and a white. It's an instant that says whenever a creature enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. And then it has flashback for two and a green and a white. I mean, this is just... I always like cards that kind of pay homage to an older card. I mean, yeah. this kind this is basically another glimpse of nature. And yeah. in a way, it's better. Uh and you're not paying 30, 40 bucks for it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it has the boundary of having to have white as well. But I mean that's I mean that's what they kind of have to do. But I I mean it's just it's a really solid card for a Slesnia deck. And I think a lot of my cards on this list are just new cards that are gonna just be very good to slot into decks that they uh they can fit in. Yeah, and I think Enchantress Jack Enchantress decks. When I'll say for for the most part, people get the speed and tempo of an enchantress deck really quickly, because when you have two enchantresses out and you're drawing two three cards for casting an enchantment, people go, oh, "Okay, this is a problem." Really mm-hmm. quickly, like yeah, they I pick mean, up on Sithis that. coming yeah. out. I mean, Sithis Harvest. You slot this bad boy in there right now. Yeah, Tuvasa is a super popular yeah. enchantress commander. So mm-hmm. when people figure out the trick and then just keep the board clean, so you don't have any of your enchantresses, this is nice having a out of the hand way to just mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I'm gonna get a quick refuel." Yeah. You can't. It, you you have to counter it, so it's harder to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to have that kind of like backup insurance just in the ninety nine. Yeah, and I think I think in a lot of ways because it's enter the battlefield, right? You can cast this and then bring play a replenish. Oh, and that's I mean that's that's scary, disgusting. Yeah, that's a lot of value for sure. And then flashback. I mean that's insane. Yeah, I mean, being able to use this effect twice. Yeah. Like it needed it. <laughs> it. It's it's a slap card. You need for to, sure. You need to counter this bad boy. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, I'll go for my first two picks. Uh, Otherworldly gaze. It's one blue for an instant. Uh, it says, look at the top three cards of your library. Put any number of them into your graveyard, and the rest back on top of your library in any order. It has flashback for one and a blue. Um, now it's not a flashy card. I know. Very simple. It's a common. You're going to see a hundred of them in Kraken packs. But I feel like it's going to, it's one of those toolbox cards that's like you can easily look over in mm-hmm. gatherer searches. It's not going to pop up on like EDH rec as top pick cards. Yeah. But it's one of those effects that you go, oh man, like in certain decks, I want just that. Like, the yeah. ability to manipulate the top of my deck or put cards into my graveyard. Mm-hmm. It's great. Like you can, and you can use it back to back. You can use it for one mana and then flash it back immediately. For you're three. six cards deep then. You're six cards deeper. Yeah. yeah. And you're filtering your the top yeah. of your library and putting stuff in the graveyard if you want that. Exactly. But even if you don't, I mean, you're, you're essentially doing as what, surveil three? 
Right. It's in, essentially in a surveil three twice. Yeah. Which is which mm-hmm. is super. It's just it's a very useful card. Right. Yeah. It's just one of those things you can't sleep. Oh, sorry. Very good. Just getting a, a just good value, getting the right no getting the right cards that you want. Just trying to shuffle through your deck is just yeah, just value. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you can put lands to your graveyards to play with your Ramian Excavator. You can put more flashback cards in yeah. your graveyard to it's flash a them back. Control. I feel like it may be a better way to describe it. Like yeah, you're in control of what your deck's doing better. Exactly, and sometimes like especially in the CEDH realm, like we've talked about all the time. Sometimes just sculpting the next thing that's going to happen mm-hmm. with your cards. Is so vital to yeah. the next play or the next turn. You know, you also can look at it. I mean, because it doesn't say put a certain amount on the graveyard. It says put any number. So you can. It's essentially a top effect too. Yeah, where you don't you you, do, you don't have to play it where you're just getting that top three right. Or combine it with like a scroll rack where you're putting certain cards on top of your deck. You can mm. then dump those cards and then dig deeper with the scroll rack when you draw again. Like it's mm. cool. It just has a lot of utility. I think that might get overlooked. So I like this card. I do too. Um don't sleep on the commons. There's absolutely solid ones. Yeah. Otherworldly gaze and the artwork. Yeah. So sick. Slaps. I love some some eye phobias <laughs> going on. Yeah. Dark gothic. <laughs> yeah. I'm my I mean, everyone knows I, I love me some Cthulhu. Yeah. I, I love me some Lovecraft. Some Bloodborne. <laughs> mm. oh. <laughs> Wizards, awesome. if you're listening, which I, you're probably not, uh, make a Bloodborne theme. Please, I need it. This is pretty close. Yeah, I need you a little little, little more. <laughs> Just hit it hard. Yeah, All right, my next, my next favorite card is Lord of the Forsaken. Uh, this is a six mana, four and two black uh, Demon, it is a 6-6 six, six with Flying and Trample. It has Pay a Black, Sacrifice Another Creature, Target Player Mills 3. It also has Pay 1 Life, Add a Colorless, Spend This Mana Only to Cast a Spell from Your Graveyard. This card was crazy. When I saw it, I was like, what? Like, It does a lot. Not entirely on its own because you do need like other creatures to fuel the mill, but there's like there's no reason if you're running a mill strategy that you shouldn't just have this. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's such a great engine. It gives you like exactly what you want. It gives you the ability to abuse things a little bit by. I mean, we saw what Grizzle Band Grizzle Band. Did well. I saw what Grizzlebrand did when he first came out in Commander, because it was like first person to play Grizzlebrand just draws twenty eight cards for twenty eight life, and they don't care that they're at twelve. You know, like they just drew twenty eight cards. Mm-hmm. This almost feels a little bit <clears throat> like that, where it's just paying one life to add a colorless, and then only be able to cast spells from your graveyard. With something like Otherworld Breach, where all of your cards have escape, that's suddenly like very scary mm. because now you can just fuel your Underworld Breach with life instead of all this mana. Like, you can get a little crazy, you know? Yeah. I mean, this card was like right there. I saw it and I was like, I want to put it on my list. I just, I just didn't. Yeah. I just, there was a part of me that I thought you were already going to put it on there. <laughs> 
I was like, we'll just we'll just talk about it when you bring it up. But yeah. man, this card's insane, and there are so many ways to abuse it. Yeah, and it has infinite mana, or, or sorry, infinite combo potential if you have ways to go creature neutral or mana neutral. It goes it goes infinite and easy easy. Yeah, like you just have to f- you hit the loop and then. I mean, I don't. You need a Phyrexian altar, altar to get black. Yeah, but but that, if you slot Phyrexian altar, that's infinite. Yep. Or Easily. with uh, Cryptolith right and a Swift of Boots, you can. Yeah, sack you can tap them. You can get it. You can go. Yeah, spicy. Yeah, <laughs> it's cheeky. That's why I like this card. It's cheeky. It has some, and a a six six flying triple for six is nothing to scoff at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that yeah. alone is. Pretty terrifying, right? Because it's not just a vanilla creature. Yeah, and then it has no downside. Right. Yeah, it's that's why it's. I mean, one says thirteen, one says five dollars. So who knows what it'll actually price that? It's yeah. going to be nuts. I think it's going to mm-hmm. be pretty powerful yeah. in a lot of strategies. Yeah, that's a solid card for sure. All right, Chan, back to you. All right, but uh, Teferi. Who slows the sunset? The new Teferi. The new Teferi, because when has there ever been a bad one? <laughs> um, so this one's two, uh, white and a blue. He says, plus one, and you choose target. You choose up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, up to one target land. Untap the chosen permanents you control. Tap the chosen permanents you don't control. And you gain two life. Uh, minus two, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. And a minus seven, you get an emblem with untap all permanents you control during each opponent's untap step. And you draw a card during each opponent's draw step. Just absolutely bonkers. <laughs> now it's been said many times not to judge a uh, a planeswalker on their ultimate because mm-hmm. nine times yeah. out of ten you're yeah, not going to hit it. Yeah, but wow. But but, <laughs> but with all the like Teferi, uh, gosh, what's the the enchantment that like gives you another um, oath counter? of Teferi? There's oath of Teferi. Yep. Let's you activate them additional times. Yep. And so you get stuff like that, and you can possibly there's some other stuff like a, a Johnny's. One of the Johnny's Planeswalkers will let you like add another loyalty counter, stuff like that. Could make it go a little bit quicker. Um, so another note, and I, I, I hate to bring this up, mm-hmm. but I heard a podcast. Um, uh, I don't remember who uh, exactly said it, but they said um, we. It was kind of I think it was somebody in R and D or. Somebody who you know helps check the balance of cards. Mm-hmm. They said whenever we print a, print a planeswalker, we always want to look at the doubling season problem, where if they come into play, their loyalty counter instantly gets bumped up to high enough to ultimate. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be a problem? Yeah. And I'm so disappointed that this is a doubling season abuse. Yeah. Because Could it be. comes down with eight loyalty and minus sevens immediately. And that's not good because, like, <laughs> having Seaborn Muse, one mm-hmm. of probably the most played green cards in Commander. I mean, I don't. I'm not looking at the stats of how many decks it's yeah, in, but an uninteractable mm-hmm. version of it. Yeah, 
an emblem yeah. version yeah. is scary, man. Like, yeah. this is the card that made me just decide not to build a Planeswalker deck. Because I was just like, how do you not slot that in? Yeah. yeah. It's too yeah. good. Like, every every Teferi, you're just kind of like, these are too good. <laughs> yeah. It, it. The card is crazy. It is. But I like it because it keeps up with the Teferi, like, what you expect it to be is you expect it to be bonkers. So it's, it is kind of one of those things that like you expect it to have some resistance. People are going to either just instantly counter it or try to get rid of it really quick. And so I don't, I think that's going to be the, the saving factor for it is the balance of like the scariness of it that people are going to kind of focus it a little bit. Yeah. So do with that with what you will. But even still, just like the plus one is really good, I think, to, Kind of control some other people's boards. Yeah, for sure. But, um, but yeah, so that's the fairy classic. Um, let's see, what else have we got? Uh, slaughter specialist, mainly just because. Oh yeah, my last name. I have to pick something with slaughter in it. <laughs> 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 um, but also it's just uh, okay. Was, I'll just I'll read it out. It's one in a black. It's a vampire warrior. Whenever Slaughter Specialist enters the battlefield, each opponent creates a 1-1 white human creature token. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a 1-1 counter on Slaughter Specialist. So, again, this was just something that like I thought I could see in some of my decks. Like, maybe... Um, what's it called? Marchesa. Just getting some easy 1-1 counters mm-hmm. on her. Just, just some interesting interactions that I think could happen. I don't think it's like... An amazing card by any means, but well, just um, fun. I'm just thinking of Yeheni, Undying Partisan. Yep, I forgot about Yeheni. It's yeah. almost like a duplicate. You're mm-hmm. getting a repetitive effect. Yep, and Yeheni has seen a lot of adoption, a lot of decks because yeah. Yeheni can just get big really fast. You know? I have Yeheni in my Marchesa deck, don't I? Yeah, yeah. So it could fit really well, but I don't know if something that I'm just gonna be like. Gotta have this. Gotta go buy it. Yeah, but it's cool, and I I think this shows the. I don't know if we mentioned it yet, but there's a lot of humans in this new release, and I like that. Oh I, yeah, I like humans. I like their archetype, their uh, variety, and kind of can go in anything. So yeah, Innistrad is definitely very like signpost for humans, mm-hmm. just because it's like you have to have something to horrify. Yeah. And humans are perfect to horrify. Yeah. <laughs> this actually would be pretty good in a Grismold the Dread Sower. Grismold the Dread Sower is one green, uh, what not? Yeah, one green black has trample. At the beginning of your end step, each uh, player creates a 1 1 green plant. Whenever a creature token dies, put a plus one, plus one on Grismold. In a lot of the ways, it's built mm-hmm. as you give your uh, opponents. Tokens and then just have an effect where it says tokens get minus one, minus one. They die, Griswold gets really big. And then this gives mm-hmm. uh, soldiers, they all die, and then she'll just get pumped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just another way of getting a huge Same pump thing. effect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. It's a good card for sure for three yeah. mana. Great effect. Like, yeah. Not to be looked over for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those cards you'll play and people will be like, yeah. Yeah. Why is he playing? Not that? thinking about it until it like actually happens. And, yeah. and then they're like, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. got plus eight plus eight. And then you cast Chandra's <laughs> Ignition and hit everybody for twenty. And then you <laughs> world fire and you know. Yeah. yeah. We're in the Innistrad. Yeah. We're in the Innistrad. <laughs> Whatever. All right. All right. So All right. 
my third card is Ghoul Caller's Harvest. It's a black and a green sorcery that says create X 2 black zombie creature tokens with decay to where X is the half number of creature cards in your graveyard rounded up. And then it has flashback for three black and a green. I'm glad you put this on your list because I, I, I thought you would. It's so good. It's very good. It's insane. I, I like I read it and then I was like, I had to do a double take because I was like, for two mana? Yeah. Do they know how easy Golgari gets creatures in the graveyard? Yeah, that's like all it does. <laughs> yeah. Holy. And then stack this into... And then this has a doubling season problem too because then you just get all for every creature. To, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Marin decks love it. Yeah. This, <laughs> I mean, might Sidisi, find a slot in Sidisi. Easily. Yeah. It's so good. It has flashbacks. So if you mill it, it's just you know, playable there. It's, yeah. I just, I think this is instantly going in. I yeah, it's going to be hard not to find oh a slot gosh. for it. Yeah, there's and so that many. deck is already so tight. Yeah, it's so good though, for sure. This card is way too good. I just, I looked, yeah, I saw some of the legendary creatures. Like, These are great, but I just kept looking at the sorceries. And I'm just like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. There are so many staples that are popping out of nowhere. Yep. And my next one is definitely a staple. And if you're not running in a white, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Vanquish the Horde. <laughs> Oh yeah, six and two mm. white. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature on the battlefield. Destroy all creatures. Let's just talk about how this is way better than Blastus Act. Oh yeah, and you're just like, I mean, what do you not slot it in? I'm excited to see what this will be priced at because it's gonna be fun to like. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this is a wild card. Yeah, it's and yeah. I like to me. I'm I'm rooting for white every set because I just feel like it's so underpowered. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that any any good card that comes in white, it's usually like, oh, that could be played in any thing that's splashed with these colors. Right. And then this is just a really yeah. good card that's just going to add more value to white where white needs it. It's, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Like, root for white every single set. And at this point, like, we have enough white board wipes. Like, we have enough. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. If you just gather, search, white, destroy all creatures, there's <laughs> probably like three or four pages of mm-hmm. destroy all creatures uh, that white can do. But like this one, I, I'm surprised at how powerful it is. Like you said, like it's Blasphemous Act in white, but better because you get destroy instead of damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes there's abuse you can do with damage. Like, you know, decks like Torolf that can shoot all that over. Fire Song. Yeah, Fire Song and Sunspeaker, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But man, I don't know. And how, I don't know how many times like you've looked at a board that's just like, yeah, there's six creatures on the board. Like, that's like every turn, mm-hmm. <laughs> past turn three or four. Like, yeah. Everyone plays creatures, man. It's going to yeah. be two mana almost all the time. Right. Which I feel like I feel like white desperately needs stuff that provides that much value to where you're only playing it for two. Because like I think of cards that like the Great Henge, where that's always going to be two, and that's just such a wild card to be able to like that's always going to hit it. That the fact that white finally has something that really fits that mold of like this will probably always be two. It's just a perfect spot to slot in 
it's always going to like provide more value than you're paying into it. And white really just doesn't have that many cards. I feel like so many other color, I think blue and green top of the list of always getting more value than what they're putting into it for most time. But yeah. it's good to see a card that white's actually going to be like, wow, this is a, this is a staple. This is going to provide so much value into any deck that splashes white. That is mono white. I like it a lot. Yeah. There's a lot I could go on <laughs> for like the support of good white cards, but um, yeah, it, it's just, I'm definitely picking up a couple copies, definitely finding slots mm-hmm. for it. So awesome card. Good pick. Okay. Um, my next two, I have Fateful Absence, another white card. It is one and a white for an instant. It says destroy target creature or planeswalker. Its controller investigates. Um, I am personally surprised that white hasn't already had this effect. And again, it's uh, like my first pick. It's nothing splashy, but for like that rate of removal is like premier in white. Because you get Path to Exile, Source Splash Shares, and then like Generous Gift. Those are probably like the first three premier removals that come to mind when I think white. Which are amazing. Which are always played and amazing. Mm-hmm. But then Fateful Absence, Destroy Target Creature, or Planeswalker, two mana at instant speed to just give them an investigate. Like, that's good. You know what I'm saying? This actually almost, again, it's one of those cards I look at, I'm like, wow, this is great. When you're making a 10 list, you kind of just have to switch. This one was easily, like, yeah. it could be interchanged with a lot of these. But yeah, it's it's a really, it's another instance where I'm like, white really needs this because I think white's archetype is very control yeah. heavy. Yeah. And it just, it fits it really well. And it provides that effect of like they get a benefit from it. They get to restore that card that you took away from them, but they still have to pay for it. So it's like right. It's like a really bad deal for them for the most part. Yep. And I think too looking at so many of the black redundance effects of destroy tar creature you know have some other effect like destroy tar creature lose to life uh like we just got in uh Adventures of Forgotten Realms, I forget the name of the card. Um, destroy target non-artifact creature with go for the throat. Destroy target non-black creature with doom blade. Like all these redundant effects of destroy. I'm hoping they start to reprint this sort of like generous gift light for white. You know what I mean? I'm really hoping they stick on that direction. So I really like Fateful Absence. I also feel like Planeswalker hate there's not enough of mm. and they need to start implementing more, especially with Teferi. Mm. Like when you make cards like that, you need to provide three or four more solutions to get rid of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I, I like Planeswalkers, so <laughs> I don't want to see much <laughs> don't, hate against them. But don't I, I agree, yeah. There isn't much to just like straight up deal with them. So yeah. 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 And then uh, my next pick is uh, Denik, Pius Apprentice. He is one white and one blue for a legendary creature human soldier. He's a 2-3. He 
He has lifelink and cards and graveyards can't be the target of spells or abilities. And he has disturb for two, a white and a blue, which is you may cast this card from your graveyard. Um, it comes into play transformed for its disturb cost. The backside is Denic Pious Apparition, a legendary creature spirit soldier. He is a 3-2 with flying, and when one or more creature cards are put into graveyards from anywhere, investigate. This ability triggers only once each turn. If Danic Pious, Pious Apparition would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, exile instead. Now, I know this, this is on your list too, right, Chandler? Yeah. Yeah. Now, this isn't crazy splashy. This isn't like powerhouse Corvold speed, like yeah, crazy nuts. But I think it's very cool. Lends itself to interesting play patterns in white and blue that hasn't been explored. That's like cool on theme. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I put it in mind because I I think it's a for me just the cards and graveyards can't be targeted target the spells or ability mm-hmm. is perfect for white and blue because white and blue I feel like struggles the most against black and green decks or you for know, sure. that graveyard interaction is so heavy and so it's perfect for that and so it kind of gives you that like utility you want in a white and blue commander or white and blue deck if you're just going to run it in your deck but like it just fits that play style perfectly I feel like yeah that stacks effect it's like you don't want to run graph digger's cage where uh, cards can't interplay from libraries or creatures can't interplay from graveyards mm-hmm. you don't want to run graph digger's cage on the random happenstance that it just shuts <laughs> off that graveyard strategy yeah but Denik has enough like planability to use Mm-hmm. Mainly for me, in, in my perspective, mainly to use the backside, yeah, where you get to investigate when creatures go into the graveyard. Mm-hmm. But that off chance that he is in play with the stacks effect that cards can't be the target of spells or ability in graveyards yeah. is great. Like it's just a little gravy on top. Yeah, it's kind of like give me that security until I can get him turned over and do what I really want to do. Yeah, and I think that's cool as a commander because you get this like second half. And yeah, sometimes you might have to jump through like an extra hoop to make sure you can disturb him, like put yeah. him into the graveyard and then cast him. Mm-hmm. But I think that's if there's you know there's plenty of ways in blue and white to protect and keep him around to like fuel that strategy of continuously investigating. I just mm-hmm. think it's cool, very cool card. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think I, I like that Wizards is, and hopefully for the future, going away from the Corvolds, the two lanes. I think. Providing enough flavor to a commander to where they serve a purpose in a significant purpose, but not where they hit every cylinder. I think I think that's the major key is like that provides more creativity. That way your commander is not everything. It just fits a mold inside of a strategy. Yeah. It's like the commander isn't playing the deck for you. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so we have been running this episode uh, a little longer than we expected, so we are going to cut this one short, split it into two parts. Um, You'll have the next episode um, of continuing our uh, top 10 picks. Um, 
So yeah, we will see you in the next episode. Bye.